welcome Pudding People to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you, good sir? Doing well. Ready to do another review. Excited to talk about a movie that's actually gotten some mixed reviews. A little bit. And it seems like an, an eternity ago that this thing came out. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. An eternity, uh, an infinity, uh yeah, yeah. We got to get the jokes in early because uh, I don't know how jovial most of uh, our review process will be on this. I think we're kind of all over the board on this film as well. Uh, we're talking about the Eternals today. Yes. Yeah. So this movie, when did it come out in theaters? Uh, it came out, I believe, what September ish, something along those lines. I mean, that's 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 what I feel is right, but. Uh, we know for sure at least it came out in 2021. <laughs> yeah, and this was, okay, so there was, what, Widow, which went straight to Disney+, and I guess tanked, I guess you could say, in, in Marvel kind of. terms. Right? Yeah, it wasn't a smash success, so that meant it failed. And the movie itself wasn't great, but the fact that it didn't go to theaters, I think, caused a little bit of an issue for many reasons. Okay, so then this one was like, yes, this is going into the theaters. People were still reluctant to hit the theaters. Plus, the movie, generally speaking, got poor reviews. Not not great reviews. I don't think that the, the general audience was ready for, or maybe ready for isn't the right word, expecting the shift in tone and presentation that this film had. And now you can watch it streaming on Disney+. Plus. Yes. Uh, you can even pause scenes to count dead bodies on the ground like <laughs> like I do for the death counts. Uh, yes. And there was what? You said 94 in that one? Uh, 96 in that specific scene. But uh, yeah, if you take a look at our pop culture death counts, you'll see that the number of deaths in this film is somewhere between 10 and 109. <laughs> There's no clear, clear, I exploded you. Right. Like counts that you can really discern other than that's a body on the ground. Are they knocked out? Are they dead? You know, we're assuming they're dead, but. Probably dead, but also did it happen during the point at which we were watching them do things on the screen? Because that's always what I'm. What I'm looking at, if they were dead before the scene started for that section, they don't count because they're already there. But when did it happen? We don't know. Yeah, they could have been laying there for days. Right. But uh, that's not really what we're here to talk about. We're here to uh, nitpick and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and tear tear down and then build up and express joy and, and sorrow and frustration and, you know, whatever other emotions tend to, to come up in our Uh, remembrance of what we thought about this particular film. Now, what is it we always say at the beginning? Spoiler alert! Yes. We already said that this movie's been out since September-ish. So if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to have spoilers, then I guess... Sorry, but (laughs) you've had time to watch in the theaters. Now, it's been out since the 12th of January on Disney Plus 
And that means it's been about a, 10 days or so from it's the time this review comes out. So you're right. There's a few people that haven't maybe watched it. But maybe if you haven't watched it, go watch it, get your ideas, come back and listen to ours and see if your ideas match our ideas. Right. And, you know, we normally give just a little spoiler-free general idea of whether we think this is something you should see in a theater setting, which technically isn't possible anymore, <laughs> or uh, or if it's something you wait for to see on uh, any streaming service or uh, blu-ray or maybe it's something you catch while you're sort of napping on the couch or just skip all together now for me i'm i'm glad i saw the film in the theaters i think it presented better in the theater environment um and while it's not my favorite mcu film i enjoyed it the presentation that you get now is the imax enhanced if you have that streaming device capability uh, on Disney Plus, it will present it obviously in 4K, but the IMAX enhanced with maybe a little bit different perspective than you might have seen it otherwise, right? So it's like a, a wider format and a few other things that have changed on it. And is it worth watching? Well, if you're watching all the other Marvel movies, well, yeah, because all this is just going to do is set up stuff for future events in the Marvel Universe. Right. Is it worth watching multiple times yeah, I did I knew we were going to do a review on it so that's why I did it and that's one of the things that if you go and watch a movie in, in the theater of course unless you're going to pay and go back again it's kind of hard to do your double takes and since I have watched it a couple times I can be more picky on things so it's not necessarily like the first reaction review in a certain sense true but um Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, if it wasn't for this particular podcast, I probably would not have looked to watch it again, at least not anytime soon. Um, one of those is like, oh, I'm glad I did that. Don't need to do it again. Yeah. But <laughs> the, the two times are plenty for me. Right. Well, let's just jump right into it. Uh, we're going to start, uh, as we always do, we create a score that can be up to one hundred points and we kind of divide it down into separate categories that we uh like i said nitpick and and talk about in in detail uh each one can give a specific amount of points so, uh, cast is worth 20 points director is worth 20 points costuming and props is worth 10 locations worth 10 cinematography worth 20 uh, plot and writing worth 20 and then of course we have a bonus points where we can just randomly assign positive or negative points to get the score to where we actually want it to be that's correct. Now, one of the things that we've talked about in the past briefly is there's technically no section that we have available that's dedicated to music or the score. Yeah. And I feel like we've talked about this already. We're going to touch on some of the music and the score that happens throughout yeah. this movie. And maybe we'll just throw it into one of the categories as a side note. But it's definitely yeah. worth noting in this movie, I feel like. I think in the future what I'm going to do is I'm... Uh, I'm toying, toying, thinking of the idea of decreasing the number of points the director actually has and putting in a score section that's 10 points and taking director down to 10. I think that's probably what we're going to do, but we're going to discuss a little more, see if that makes sense uh, in terms of the balance of how things will kind of come out on scores, and we'll go from there. But uh, director is often where we start because Either it's somebody that we already love or that we're very familiar with or that we have no clue about. So there's usually not a lot of discussion. That's true. And this particular director doesn't have much of a history. And it's not like Marvel's 
never done that before. They've taken a lot of, not first time, but, you know, like young or rookie-ish directors and put them in the chair and said, here's what you're going to do. Right. But let's make it your movie, but how we want you to do it. <laughs> your movie with quotation marks. Um, now, including The Eternals, uh, Chloe Zhao, who is the director of this particular film, has eight credits. Uh, if you look on IMDb, I'm I'm not uh, going to consider this a definitive list because a lot of times IMDb doesn't have everything. I mean, you really have to dig to kind of really look at it. But, you know, it's a general synopsis. Um, and if you look at the titles that uh, she has been involved with, half of those were short films. Um, and of the, of the other films, not counting the Eternals, I have not seen any of them. I've heard of Nomadland. Apparently that one was either well-reviewed or one of the actor-actresses in it was up for an Oscar maybe. I'm not sure. But I think that's kind of the other film, the other thing that people would recognize if they recognized any of them. Probably so. Um, I feel like in the industry she actually has a fairly decent um, reputation. Um, but considering that I was not familiar with her work going into watching the film, it's always kind of pleasant. That means it doesn't color my expectations in any way. Uh, let's me go with kind of an unbiased kind of thought process. Um, and that's, that's what I did. Uh, it wasn't until after I had seen the film that I saw an interview that she had where she had expressed admiration for Zack Snyder, which, as you might know from listening to our podcast, would immediately lose you points. <laughs> no, yes. not, not that we dislike him as a person, just generally not favorably disposed to his particular style of uh, directing. Yeah, um, and he's done, the thing is, he's done a lot of movies that are, quote, popular or well, popular is a pretty broad term because <laughs> it doesn't have to be good to be popular. Right. But um, yeah, I, I didn't get that direct feeling of a Zack Snyder movie. So that's good. Yes. That's good. Yes, absolutely. She definitely has her own. I don't think this was studio driven in, in the sense I didn't get the feeling that the product was, hey, this is what we want, and it's going to look like this. I really did get the impression that, yes, this is her This is her film, and she put her mark on it. Now, did she, did she kind of do what – I often lump editing and, uh, and general um, chemistry uh, between the actors and how they interact with the – uh, given writing and everything, all into this kind of section. How did it gel? Um, and for the most part, I feel like uh, the the individuals in the film kind of s fairly seamlessly went together. Um, however, <laughs> I don't know if I liked the... The general, I, I don't know if the tone that she was intending for the film to have exactly came off the way that she meant for it to. Yeah. Is it somber and reflecting? Is it 
all-inclusive? Is it laid back? Uh, there's a lot of different elements, I feel like, that you get from this movie. And there are action sequences and there are, you know, side sequences or that are more emotion-driven. But in terms of the plot and the push, that's its own category for right. us. But part of that is in your direction is pushing the plot and making it work and move. And I, I guess it kind of progressed. It's a long movie, right? There's a lot going on and there's a lot of history and there's a lot of backstory and there's a lot of details. So it's kind of hard to push that narrative in such a short period of time with so many things going on. So I get that, but I think we missed some things possibly and and while it's not the uh the the snyder tint it did seem very washed out at points which i don't generally like that in a superhero film i think it kind of robs some of the some of the power that uh the imagery can have sometimes uh the biggest issue i had as i mentioned i lump editing into this and I thought the editing was not great. Uh, there were entirely too many castbacks to flashbacks. You couldn't stay in one time frame too long. Um, it was choppy in the way it portrayed things. And the surprise was not very surprising. Uh, even if you're not a comic book fan, it was not very surprising. Um it just was kind of it it added a layer of unnecessary complication which halted the flow of the story and i get i get the the flashbacks because if you're going through 7000 years of them doing things on the planet you have to have some development of them as a team them as individuals them as you know couple or like if you're going to be together for seven thousand years you're going to develop besties let's say or you're going to develop some type of cohesion between not only the whole group but individual pieces within that group so you have to establish some of that and i get that it's like okay here we go we're in a situation and flashback to two thousand years ago this is what happened. Now we're in future times. You know, it's just, right. I, I get it. I, it didn't bug me, but you're right. It was kind of where they cut those pieces in at times just seemed misplaced. It just killed the momentum for me. Um, and, you know, some things had to be left. I mean, the unsurprising surprise, yes, I would have been fine. Leave that cut scene till later. But I would have been much happier if most of the stuff that happened pre-current day was shot and delivered in chronological order. Just give me how they proceeded the entire period of time, leave out the one surprise, and that's it. Don't, here we're starting in in the past, now we're in present day. We're going to go through present day for a little and now we're going to go back to the past. Now we're in present day. Now we're back to the past in a different spot. Now we're in present day. Now we're back to the past in a different... Stop it. Just stop it. Too much. I did like the the 
stories from the past. Oh yeah, those those were solid. That didn't bug me. No, no. The, what was there was not the problem, just how it was put together. Yeah. So for me, as a director, um, it didn't ruin it by any stretch of the imagination. Still did pretty good. I go with a 13 out of 20. And my choice for points was 12 out of 20. Pretty solid all in all. <laughs> Who were those people? You can't see them. <laughs> we have, it's the studio audience. Uh, we can actually fit about three people in the studio. <laughs> That's what three people clapping sounds like. We're going big time now. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, moving on. Uh, cast. Uh, another category worth up to 20 points. Uh, this has got a pretty solid cast of people that they included. A lot of names that people know. I know it's got a couple people you love. Mm. There are a lot of people in here that you would recognize faces and names. There's a lot of people that have been in different productions and different shows. And there's a couple, you know, I would say big time in a certain sense, Game of Thrones faces that are in here. And there's a couple, you know, actor, actor, actresses that have been around for a long time and couple of their new faces and you got a you know a comedian and you got it's it's a good mix for sure it's just that some of them i don't think i don't think had the delivery or the the face time from what we really were wanting or looking for right uh one uh one of the individuals that we we're kind of talking about uh before the show started uh, was uh, Salma Hayek, which I know is somebody that we both absolutely love. Um, she had some screen time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but the screen time that she had, I thought was of the group, maybe one of, if not the weakest. Yeah, they did not did not give her a lot to do. But, I mean, that's partly to do with the character. Sometimes you're going to have to have people that are in the in the background. But I, I still would have liked to have had a little more uh, of Ajax. Um, similarly, kind of in the background, in a way, uh, one of my absolute favorite people, uh, Bill Skarsgård, who did the voice of crow who uh basically had what two scenes he talked in <laughs> just a couple <laughs> so it's like well i guess i guess he he got his name on the on the board at least been in uh a couple marvel things now yeah he's he's a he's a busy man um but there are others that had a chance to shine and really did shine uh harish patel who has uh Played uh, Karun, uh, the assistant to uh, Kingo. Um, if his you, valet. Yeah, exactly, his valet. If you think you recognize him, I wouldn't be surprised. He's been acting since the late 60s. Uh, this guy has been in a lot of films. Now, admittedly, a lot of them are, are, are from India, but that's not not all of them. He's he's been a lot of uh, U.S. films, and so you just you smile. It's like I know that dude from somewhere, and he's always good in whatever part that he has. He has he exudes charisma disproportionate to the amount of screen time that he has in this film. Yeah, and in this type of film, there's a lot of seriousness, seriousness, but there's a lot of lightheartedness, 
and a lot of the lightheartedness came from him as a team and him as an individual. But there was like you know a couple cheesy serious things thrown in there too. So he did a little bit of everything in this. I and a, he was good. Well, and the the gentleman that played Kingo, uh, Kumail Nanjiani, I I love that dude just to death. He's super funny and he's he's got great stage presence. I think in a lot of ways, again, his character had a much better chance to shine in the film and allowed for a, a nice amount of comedic relief in some respects. But not just that, um, uh, an application of uh, humanity that that doesn't quite come across in all of the characters. That's true. It, it was in, in how he was portrayed and delivered in this movie he's been in in he's had FaceTime in quote humanity right so he's mm-hmm. been popular for quite some time but but he doesn't shy away from it whereas a lot of the other uh characters are part of but have been more kind of in the back seat there but not not having that FaceTime he kind of embraced the FaceTime his right. character did so. Right. What did you think of Gemma Chan? Um, fine. Yeah. Yeah. I did. She really deliver a lot of emotion. No. No. Did she? What? Wh- she was very neutral in everything and every scene that she was in and presented. There was no sense of urgency, no sense of despair, no sense of anything. So she was. She was fine. Fine, I didn't have a problem. Well, and uh, and then Richard Madden, who played Icarus, the romantic interest, in a sense, to the Cersei character, kind of similar? Yeah, although I feel like some of his stern bits were a bit forced. Yeah, a little over the top. Yeah. Um, he had a lot of computer-generated action sequences with his flying and his yellow laser eyes which were cool that but that's not him that's computer generated him flying around but yeah there's just a lot of i don't know like i said he he seemed to be of this group in this movie the most potentially the most powerful of the group right and his confidence in himself and sternness just came across as forced to me a little bit uh, Angelina Jolie, I thought, did quite well. With the time that she had, she was actually given a little more a little writing that uh, enabled for emotional range uh, and some some kind of fun to play with that some of the other characters didn't have. Yeah, she was okay. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't feel the same. Yeah. Um, I think Leah McHugh did fine as Sprite. Um it's uh, it's always hard to be a, a younger person in a film and uh, kind of compete with all of the big names, and I think she did just fine. Mm-hmm. I think she definitely did it. Uh, Kit Harrington didn't have a lot of screen time. I'm super excited for who he is, uh, one of my favorite characters. I tend to like the, the, the deep cuts uh, of some of the characters, so seeing, seeing characters like this come out just makes me – giggle with joy uh, a little bit um he has a surprising amount of charisma too he didn't have much time on the first watch through i didn't really see it so much because 
He's at the beginning of the movie and at the end of the movie. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. But in that time that he has that, he actually managed to exude pretty well. Yeah, he's pretty good. He is one of the few people in the Game of Thrones universe who actually made it from start to finish throughout the entire series. So he he's obviously made a lot of money from that production. But that what that also did is if you're thinking about eight or ten episodes for you know eight seasons or whatever, it, he just had a lot of screen time to be able to develop his character in that one. So he had a lot of practice doing a, you know, a character with a lot of charisma. Right. And yeah, we got to see it. And hopefully we will see a lot more of that in future movies. Brian Tyree Henry had uh, some good meat in this film to go with. He's had some good experience over the past, been in quite a few productions. And I always enjoy seeing him in pretty much anything. I think he, he got a little hammy in spots, but yes. not, uh, not, Awfully so. Yeah, enough that some people are going to be like, oh, he was funny. And then some people are just like, eh, a little too much, right? So I, I, I could see how a lot of people would think his character was fun and funny. And I can see how some people are like, uh, I, I got what I needed. Let's tone it down just, just a smidge. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of mixed bag on his performance. Laura Ridloff, I think, did well. Again, not a lot of screen time. Um, uh, Barry Kyogen. Uh, eh? uh, 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 his accent was distracting and it I think that is his accent yeah but mm. it seemed fake well it, I, to, to me like he was playing someone who had that accent not someone who actually really had that accent which mean which meant all his things that he delivered couldn't be taken seriously because it just it was just, I'm know. going to get to why I think that that is, and I'm not putting that on him. I, It was distracting, but not his fault is kind of where I'm going with it. That's going to be in, I think, a little bit of the plot and writing, uh, and, and, and I'll get to that later. But uh, uh, Madong Suk, um, uh, also known as Don Lee, um, I love that dude. He's just fun. Yeah, seems like he could be a really – cool actor in a lot of different things but they didn't give him a lot here they didn't give him a lot and he once again his performance seemed a little forced in a certain sense i i just didn't get the the smoothness i guess i was looking for from him i think they needed to give him more time for a different reason not well that too give give some time to develop uh the character and have some screen time but Physically, he looks very similar to Benedict Wong. Uh, so I've already had several people that I've talked to says, oh, that's the same guy that played Wong in Doctor Strange. Like, no, it's not not the same actor. I can kind of see where you get that. They got very similar cheekbones mm -hmm. um, and a, a similar body type. But that's it. But sometimes that's enough to confuse people. I mean, it's... I'm happy to see him in the film just because I think he's great. But I was like, ah, as soon as I saw him in there, it's like people are going to get confused. Oh, man. This is, I wonder how many people stop him on the street and call him Wong. Yeah, I, I could, I can see that. I didn't get confused. 
Well, we, we've seen stuff. So we've seen stuff. <laughs> we're not going to get confused. But, but the average non-super-interested viewer could see that and be like, oh, that's weird, but okay, got it. Yeah. Anyway, anytime you give him screen time, thumbs up for me. Uh, the casting of Harry Styles as Eros um, might annoy some people because Harry Styles is not exactly an actor. Um I I think that that casting is actually kind of inspired and very funny, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to that later too. Um, a little somebody else that popped up in that same scene. Yes, yes. Uh, somebody that's in mildly hot water at the moment, but you know he did an Instagram post. So uh, <laughs> I, I I love Patton Oswalt. <laughs> he is. He is one of the funniest comedians, one of my favorites. But so having him do a voice for Pit Patrol, yeah, yeah, I can I can get down with that because I love the Pit Patrol character. Now, am I still mad that it's not the actor that it should have been in Infinity War, who I was certain it was going to be because he's freaking awesome, and instead they made him a giant dwarf? Yeah, that was weird. I mean. I was I was so hyped when I heard that he was going to be in Infinity War. So it's got to be Pip because Pip is awesome and he's awesome and him as Pip will be awesome. And it just wasn't. Made me sad. So we got a CGI Pip. Yeah. And yeah, we'll get to that too. <laughs> I've got something to say about the CGI on that. But uh, yeah. So all in all, Solid cast, maybe not utilized in the ways that we would have liked, maybe not uh, putting in the performances that we would have liked in some yeah. circumstances. For me, that means that's a score of 14 out of 20. 13 for me. Yep. Let's, let's, let's let the crowd react to this one. What's the next category? <laughs> next category is costuming and props. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. I just thought I'd throw it in there anyway. But um, Now, this is an area where this film, I think, shines. Uh, the costuming in this film, I thought, was pretty spectacular. The characters that they're pulling into this film have some of the dumbest costume designs in comic book histories. Or maybe dumbest is not the right word. But so, it's really out there. So, representing that in a film is hard. Yeah, a lot of uh, blue suits with gold patterns on them. I thought it was very low-key, but just fine. Yeah, so they, if you ever look at the original comics, it's, it feels like kids' finger painting in some ways. It's, it's really bright colors and... A lot of thick lines, and it's it's very strong, and it's it's a whole Kirby thing, but yeah, that doesn't that doesn't translate. I thought they did they did great to get the feel, the the theme, and the intent behind it, and make it contemporary, and not look like latex. Uh, that's true. Yeah, you didn't get that. You didn't get that feel at all. I I don't think from any of the individual costumes and the uh, yeah and then the the normal stuff looked great too. I mean everybody they they were in a lot of 
timelines and trying to replicate the, uh, the, the clothing of the period and all of that through each and every one of those as well as the different cultures being represented. There's so much, so much diversity of, of clothing that it was just a, it was a pleasure to look at. Mm-hmm. And there was a blue dagger at the beginning. <laughs> well, it was gold too, right? Oh, that's true. Head gold. Yeah. Blue gold. Um, yeah. Was there anything that particularly stood out to you? Well, uh, we mentioned before, and you said you liked the ebony sword. Yes, that looked freaking. Now, to be fair, that's partly the cinematography for the uh, for the uh, effects that mm-hmm. go along with it. But boy, that looked good. That looked really good. Yep. And there were now would would the little things that Fastos manipulated be Props. I think that could go either way. Um, I was, I'm mixed on those. I, I think they're kind of neat in some ways. Somebody said, "Oh, that looks like the stuff that Tony Stark did." It's like, yeah, 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 kind of mm-hmm. uh, similar concept, but it looks like it, it's a weird thing. But the first thing it made me think of is the little ring of plastic on your milk carton <laughs> when you detach the the lid. It's a mm-hmm. bunch of those. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but the the other thing that really bugged me was the acting and manipulations for it. The <laughs> yeah, for those of you just listening, we're making really funny motions with our fingers. Yeah, the not vulgar ones. The we could do that. The uh, I don't know the con- contortions and manipulations were so cheesy that. Every time he did them, I guess I could go in terms of like the cast in that direction, but it was just like I got this, and it, but he did the same thing every single time, which was manipulate thing, take it, twist it over, and here it is, and it just like look, yeah, it just looked, I don't know, it, it looked foolish to me, maybe a little bit, um. But, uh, I mean, at least he had something to do. Uh, uh, Gemma just is like, okay, your power. Go touch something. <laughs> well, so it wasn't fully hashed out. Like, she can turn, she can just basically change elements. Kind of, right? yeah. Right? Well, well, we'll get to that, too, in the plot and writing. <laughs> so she can basically just make everything gold that she wanted to and have all the money that she needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that I should work. But did what did she make? What did she turn the uh, celestial into at the end? Uh, that is a great question. Uh, I'm going with marble, but some people think it's ice, and some people have said salt. Something white. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we, don't we, don't, know. we don't know. So I, I just didn't. And maybe they described it. This is not part of the costume and prop, so I just don't know fully what her power is yeah well i mean there's not really a lot to say more about the costume process it was just all in all with the exception maybe some some conceptual stuff that's hard to really represent i mean how do you make inventing something exciting you don't right so i can't get mad at that they probably just said okay you're going to be manipulating something and you go okay yeah what am i manipulating yeah, we don't know yet. Just kind of do stuff with your hands. We're going to draw it in later. 
you got this. Yeah, so I'm 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 okay with that. I think he did just fine. Um, so for me, the costume and props is a nine out of ten. It was fantastic. Did I hear a niner in there? Yes, indeed. That's what I got to. That's right. You know, we're having a lot of fun playing with uh, our soundboard and some of the special effects that that come with it. But you know what? What also makes us smile uh, when we get to play with it. Uh, our social media accounts. <laughs> hey there, Pudding People. Don't forget to check us out on our social media accounts so you can keep apprised of everything that we do any time of the day. Richard, you're most on Instagram, right? On the Gram Gram, yes. And what are we best known on Instagram as? Pudding Guys. Easy enough. In fact, that's also what we're known as on Facebook. Now, I'd say we're on Instagram just a little more than we are on Facebook. You might get the occasional update there. We are most active on Twitter, where we are at Real Pudding Guys. Uh, we will give you updates about the next episode that's going to be coming at the end of the week, when it's released, any other little updates to the Ultimate Comic Movie Database or the Pop Culture Death Counts will also be there. Um, now... Our most exciting changes are going to be coming up soon. We're going to have a new website called Fate, the Film and Television Engine. We're getting close to doing the beta for that. We're still working on the alpha side. We'll be doing a little closed beta and inviting a handful of people into this. I tell you what, it's going to be really, really cool when it releases. Now, you'll be able to also hear about that on our Patreon page. What are we on Patreon, Richard? Pudding guys. Pretty easy. Now, right now, it's very easy to support us. How much does it cost, Richard? It's $1 per month. Per month. Not per day. Per month. <laughs> yes. $12 <laughs> for a year. Yeah. Uh, that's really not much to help support us as we release new content as we get better equipment to release the content into. And when the Fate engine comes out, it will have its own cost, and we're going to make it very affordable for everyone to be involved with this. And it's going to be so cool. I can't wait for you all to hear about it. Informative, as always. Yes. Is it time for us to update that? I, th I think we need to change it up just a bit. We need to update that here soon. We'll, we'll get to it. Um, let's move on. Uh, just keep on keeping on. We'll... Uh, We'll, we'll go on with location. And we always do the costume and the location right next to each other. Another possible 10 points and another area where this film just shines. There are so many places that this film takes place in and such a great variation in color and scenery. And it's, it's just, it's visually interesting. You don't get bored again, looking at stuff. Yeah. India looked good. Oh yeah. Um, the the museum classroom thing that looked good, the the ship that they had that was nice. That looked good. The um, hanging gardens was was a nice touch. Yeah, there was a lot of things that obviously some were natural settings and some were you know green screen creations, but everything looked you know for the, for the most part it. Looked pretty solid. Well, even small things like the classroom at uh, towards the beginning of the film, where it's a classroom, but they have these bits of history hanging on the wall. That's really neat stuff to just kind of be having right there. 
I, I liked it a lot. Yeah, no distractions here. Right. Um, sharp, clean, colorful. Uh, so what? You know, Mesopotamia. Mm-hmm. Tenochtitlan. <laughs> I can never pronounce that right. <laughs> um, you know, I think all of those. We don't know what those places really look like. So, for all we know, they looked great. Yeah, and, and it, it was engaging. Uh, good enough for me. Well, that earns a 9 out of 10. I will do the same 9 out of 10. Yeah. All right, so let's go to the cinematography. This is uh, the grouping of shots and where people are and the camera angles and the CGI and all the things that just tie the visuals together, create the visuals in the first place. Um, they played with camera angle a lot in this film. Played with uh, angles and lines, and I want to say that the budget for this one wasn't out of the out of the world budget, but it wasn't low either. So they had they had plenty of money to do those action shots. And let's be honest, when you are when your powers for the most part are some type of projection, whether it's power fists or a shield or laser beam eyes, or whatever it is. Um, honestly, all of those things and those action sequences, actually, I kind of thought that they flowed really well in this movie. Yeah, they did. I mean, normally when you get people that are just interacting with the imagination <laughs> to try and create these, there's it's hard to do ha uh, choreography with no other person. Um, that They look good. I mean, it, sometimes it just looks silly and... You know, it wasn't perfect in every spot, but it was really clearly thought out. It's clear that it was clearly thought out. Yeah. The finger guns were weird. Yeah. If there's a weak spot, I mean, it's funny, but I'm an eternal. I have finger guns. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> now, I, I think in terms of what we saw... With the different pan in, pan out, move around. Pan pizza. Yeah, Makari. Makari <laughs> um, running super fast. I, I thought, you know, scenes with her running really quick looked very solid, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, if there was a glaring CGI weakness, it was with the various creatures. Yeah, the deviants looked like garbage. Okay, that's not fair. They didn't look like garbage. They looked unimpressive. And out of place, too. Yeah, I mean, they were tonally different than everything else around it. But they're aliens, you say. Sure. I'm not talking about their alien nature. I'm talking about the way that light reacted to them was different than everything else around them. And it immediately made them stick out like a sore thumb. And a lot of the effects that were supposed to make it look cool just made it look like, oh, that's obviously CGI. <laughs> yeah, car cartoonish <laughs> to an extent. Right. right. Where you saw, if you saw Icarus flying around, they made that character look like a natural character. Right. But these things, so like there's a couple shots where it was, there's the dog eating the trash under the bridge and the thing kind of creeped out of the water. That looked good. Like, that looked good. Yeah. And then they had to have the realistic effects where they showed the, the dead one maybe laying a, a, a on the ground 
and they come up to it and kind of maybe look at it and touch it and like, oh, that's a deviant? Like, that actually looked way better. It's just them walking and flying around and healing themselves. It just looked, it just didn't, it just didn't look like the rest of the movie looked. No, it was really out of place. Um, One could argue that it's because maybe they weren't treated as the source material intended. But we'll get to that into the next section. Mm. (laughs) Um, it, It was always going to be difficult. Um, but it, oh, here's another example. Okay. So you remember the bit where, uh, they, they have the scene where Ajak gets killed. He absorbs the power. They go into the, the cave and he distributes what I'm assuming is power, magic, juice, something to the other individuals by injecting them with, uh, little tubules that come off of him, and they all change to look different. Except they don't really look different. They look the same, but with kind of crappy wings, or the same, but with a long tail. And it's just kind of, are you intending for them to really look different, or are you intending for it to be just kind of a fiercer version because it's not even coming off as a fiercer version of the same thing. It just kind of still looks like the same thing with just a small smidgen. They evolved. Yeah, that, it was just, I think it was the color choices that really did it. The that, that, that way the skin was, no matter what changes you made, it just blurred. Was it like a purple, purple, blue, pink yeah, color? Yeah, it, it, like, it looked like gas looks like when you look at it in the light. That oily kind of reflection. Are you talking like the actual skin of the? Yeah, yeah, yes, yep. And how it, even when it quote evolved and had more of a humanoid look to it, still the same thing. It looked completely out of place. Yeah, relative to everything else. It's evil Gumby <laughs> with seventy thousand little. Tube things. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, it's that that was a weakness for sure. Um but if that's really the only weakness I can think of, that's not bad. Yeah, that bodes well. Yeah. Um you know, when you look at the overall things, you know, like what does this celestial look like? Oh, uh, the celestials look great. And then when they when they you know they parted the skies and there it was in a perspective look like how big is this thing actually that we see way up there in the sky or, or it's kind of uh, starting to be born and raising out of the ocean. Like, yeah, that had a good look to that, it. That looks really good. Um, so, I mean that, that when everything else looks as good as it does, that just makes the other things stand out <laughs> a little bit more as out of place. So, I mean, I'm trying not to overly weight it, but it's just, it's like, it's like the, the, the beauty queen with the pimple right on her forehead. You know she's beautiful, uh, or he's beautiful, but the pimple's right there. I can't not look at the pimple. Distracting. Yeah. So, but still, that's a 15 out of 20 for me. Uh, I did one step better, 16 out of 20. Nice. All right, we are to the point at which uh, it makes or breaks the film. The, the writing and the plot. 
oh, this is where I was irritated the most. Now, I'm going to reiterate, this is nitpicking. I mean, because all in all, the plot worked basically fine for me. But there were so many choices that were made and so many changes that were made that it I it drove me nuts. Yeah, there were some things that I felt were, and we we talked about this before we actually sat down to record. Uh, some things seemed forced, some changes seemed unnecessary, and I I don't know the story of the Celestials. Like I I, I don't know. I do. does. So how I viewed the actual overarching storyline from this movie in terms of person looking at it in, in Marvel universe movie, movie world, right? That, okay. So there's a much ridiculously larger world that earth and its universe is just a tiny speck of nothing, honestly. So when you kind of look at it from that, like, okay, they're developing something else here. When you look at it as, Oh, earth is just a pod to, build to birth a celestial like oh well that's like all that's interesting but the fact that the characters are on there on earth for seven thousand years kind of guiding life in a certain sense like okay well that that aspect was interesting of it too kind of um how they have stories based upon their lives and they threw in a tweak in there that said well why didn't you intervene when thanos did this and they're like well let's only our job to intervene when deviants are involved. So they like threw a cheesy explanation in there for why they didn't do anything before. So, which is really funny because if you are fans of the comic book, you know that Thanos is an eternal with the deviant gene. <laughs> so, and in the original Infinity Gauntlet, one of the characters that was in this movie was involved directly. A lot. Yeah, so you're right. They took a lot of liberties with the the storyline. And, and it's probably because they did the other stuff. And now they have an idea for this next generation that probably involves something from a celestial standpoint. We're thinking, we, we talked about this Galactus is not a celestial, but has kind of that bigger world feel. A little bit. So this is probably just a way in a roundabout way, like this was a vehicle to introduce this other universe, which can introduce other characters that are more important than what the Celestials are. And when they did Infinity War and they did Thanos, they probably weren't thinking they were going to do the Celestials, but then it came up with something like, we need more people and bad guys. Let's introduce the Celestials. Who are those? You know, like, right. so uh, I feel like they just had to find a way to fix what they'd already introduced. And let's just spew out a couple lines and we'll fix it done. So from a longtime comic book fan, um, there are certain things I've come to expect. I mean, this is a different animal. I cannot expect the MCU to be the same as the comics. It's just not going to happen. Sometimes it's the history of the characters and the story is just not something you can present in a movie and have it work. Sometimes it's uh, a matter of uh, the power levels make the characters so hard to write believably for that they have to be powered down uh, or made different enough that they're marketable, which that part enrages me a little bit. So I know things are going to change. 
And a lot of times I'm I'm behind a lot of the changes. They have they have to be there, and a lot of them are really brilliant sometimes. But some changes, just just why? I mean, little things like in the beginning, before the six infinity stones were the celestials. No, they weren't. The six infinity gems were a celestial being that was the universe that broke himself into pieces. Why'd they change that? I don't know. Okay, whatever. Small thing. I'll get past that. Not a big deal. Um, the Eternals. A lot more powerful in the comics than they are presented in the movie. Again, I just talked about that. You're going to have to tone them down. It just doesn't work. And you want to have them have their own little special abilities, even though they're not really all that much different in the comics. They, they share a base certain set of skills. And sure, they specialize in something, but it's not like the way it's presented. Like Gilgamesh is a beast in the comics. And he's strong in the movie. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it didn't, it didn't feel the same. Okay, fine. I'll get behind that. I, I, I got past most of that. Um, in the comics, it's just a bunch of white people. So switching it up so that there's some better representation, I am definitely behind that because it seems to kind of make sense that why would they all look the same? Uh, the celestials probably get bored, have a little, have a little something different. Okay, good. I, I can get behind this. Uh, having one of them have an Irish accent, uh, 7,000 BC. Wait, what? <laughs> that's, that's the problem I had with Druig. It's like, no, no. None of them will have accents. These accents don't exist anymore or, or exist yet, yet, I should say. It's just, it immediately pulled me out. It was like, wait, what? The British accent, the, any accent really. Right. You're right. It would have made sense because they would have been indoctrinated in a certain sense in their culture that they decided to hang out with for 100 years, 200 years, that they would kind of work around that language. But even Druig was in the rainforest. Yeah, he sounded the same. Yeah, don't know a lot of... Okay, yeah, we're, we're nitpicking, but still. Well, I think the reason that it, that it happens that way, there's no way getting around modern-day um, modern language inflections. It's going to happen. So, But when there are so many different ones it brings it to the fore that they are not right. Maybe they were the ones that influenced the other people to have accents. Yeah, I don't think so. Even that broken down at any level of interpretation makes no sense whatsoever. Much like, um, as much as I, I really like the actress that they got to, to play Macari, Lauren Ridloff, uh, I think she's great. And it, it had some really interesting things with the sign language. I think sign language is beautiful, um, and there definitely needs to be some more representation of people that have these kinds of issues, like the the whole Hawkeye series. The Echo character is a really neat character, and another example of that. That character makes sense. This character not talking does not make sense. It's It's... An engineered being. Why? I'm. It's possible I'm just missing something, uh, but I. I can't. I can't come up with a logical thing where a celestial would create 
one of these beings that needs to usher through people that can't speak. Interesting choice. Yeah, just just odd. Now, again, I have to reiterate, she did great, and it looked fine. It's just it's one of those little things that it, it, I, I, I talked to uh, Richard. We watched the my, uh, my wife and I watched the uh, Wheel of Time uh, series that they did, the adaptation, because she's a huge fan of the books, and I, I like the source material too. And they had an instance where, again, they want to have some representation, which is great. But the way it was put in, it's like, here's a village in the mountains, separated from everybody that has every skin tone possible. Wait, what? No. Just pick one tone. It doesn't matter which one, so long as they're basically all the same. Because I, I don't, I don't see how that's going to make any sense when they are separated like that. So I don't care which one it is, but having them all be different just immediately jars me out and goes, "That's not right." <laughs> it's it's force, right? Right. And we've seen a lot more in movies in general, the TV series. Like, there's a lot more inclusion, like. Give the give people of any type of nationality more power. Give women more power. Like do it, good, fine, but do it so that it doesn't look forced. So that right. it doesn't look like you just did it to do it. Right? Like do it right. because it's got meaning. I think is part of what our issue we have right. with this. So. And it's a very small issue. Yeah. Once again, we're nitpicking. But in terms of Marvel firsts in this one, like there was a lot of random things that were presented to us that they hadn't done in a Marvel movie before. And each of those on their own has merit and is fine. But the fact that you piled them all into one movie and said, here's all of the items that we've missed out for the last 10 years. We're going to stick him in this one movie. <laughs> it's just awkward. It's just awkward. That's all. I mean, we're going to see more inclusion in a lot of things in future in future TV series, for example. I'll tell you what, that Miss Marvel series, I'm super excited about that That's one. going to be killer. And then there's going to be She-Hulk, and there's going to be, you know, like you name it, there's going to be different origins, different people, different nationalities, different you know, sexualities, like all of those things. Cool. Great. Let's get them. But like, let's give them some power and give them some screen time. Not, not just like a complimentary. Here you go. Right. You know. What do they call it? It's, like, it's, it's not tokenism because it's not like this. The only thing, but correct. it's, it's just awkward. Awkward. Yeah. yeah. But you know, again, if that's kind of one of the only problems that it is, that's not terrible. We're nitpicking. Yeah. Um, I did have other problems with the plot. Again, I mentioned the the hopping back and forth. There, The dialogue is a little... There's a lot of exposition. There is a lot of exposition. Yeah. Which, for me, personally, I'm okay with that. But I can see how certain people that watch the movie might have some problems with that much exposition. Got to deliver that message. Now... I I try to take a few notes on some of the things, and I feel like I get through the movie and I forget to take notes. But I still had a few things that I've 
when you watch a movie, either you, the first part of the movie is going to draw you into the movie or it's going to make the rest of the movie seem like I want more, right? Like right. detract. And the first thing I noticed on the movie, when we talked about delivering a mess, like information or delivering what was going on, we got a scroll, right? Like yeah. A, a Star Wars kind of entry in the a beginning. A silent scroll at that. It was weird. Yeah. It, it gave us information. Dare I say it was awkward. Yeah, it gave us what we needed to know, I guess, but it just seemed weird. Like, let's start this two and a half hour movie with a big Marvel budget, and then let's just give us paragraphs. <laughs> you have a reading assignment before we start watching. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> um, that that was just an, an observation. Yeah. Um, when we talked about the music and how we wanted to maybe change a category for music, you know, one of the things that we saw right at the at the beginning was a Pink Floyd song, mm-hmm. and that sequence was cool. She handed them the dagger. They're playing the it, it's the intro to the song, and then you go through the title sequence, and then it's they're in London, right? And you you got to think about okay, yeah, seven thousand years later. What are you doing on a day-to-day basis to keep yourself yeah. entertained? Like, that was a great transition. Yeah, it's a really good tone. But then later on in the movie, they threw in songs that were fine, but, like, they just seemed out of place. And yeah. the background, like, the just the orchestrated music just seemed too much at times or, like, over the top at times in some of, like, the, the fight sequences. It's like they... It's like the the tone of the movie from a music standpoint started off strong and just kind of matrixed. Yes, it just <laughs> downhill. And we're gonna try and coin that phrase. <laughs> got, yeah, got matrixed. Um, at the in the scene where they're in London and we get the first deviant that comes back, and Icarus comes to save the day. My first thought was like, oh well, he's the He's the bad guy. (laughs) That's the surprise I was talking about that wasn't surprising. (laughs) Yeah, like, it was so obvious. It was so blatant. I was like, oh, he he was, like, he's the bad guy. Um, So that was, like I said, one observation that I had with that. Oh, I wrote here naughty time because there was the lovemaking scene that was awkward and not out of place at all. Um, I mean, it's an important, I guess, in a way, milestone because it really hadn't been done to this point but i don't really think it added anything to that scene i mean i'm all for a good uh scene of intimacy but eh? yeah that one was just weird and then i noticed so we talked about in the matrix i recognized it, it took my second watch through but i recognized the exact point where like this is it this is where it just went extremely downhill and i found it in this movie too <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we see if I, I I'm where I think it is. So when Thena does the, they're they're doing the fight and then she comes down with the the sickness, the sickness, yeah, down with the sickness, right? <laughs> and they're all in the room discussing what happened. I'm telling you, right then and there, the acting in the movie just went from okay, this is this isn't bad to just downhill. 
and especially the Druig character Barry, like he had he had some little speech in that scene that was just not good at all. He sounded constipated. Yeah, it was just just bad. But right there, that moment, that scene, all the acting from all the individuals just got progressively worse. And I don't know why. I don't know what triggered or how they, like, you know, a lot of times when they film the movies, they film them in different segments and then blend everything together. Out of order and stuff, yeah. Did they do, did they do the, these at different times? I just couldn't get it. But that, like, that to me, it was like, oh, yes, downhill. Everybody just seems, after this, it's just like the scenes they're in, the things they're doing just seems a lot more rough. The ones that are t- tending towards cardboard become more cardboard, and the ones that overact, overact more. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I definitely saw it. it. Didn't bother me as much to a certain extent because we got to see the uh, the Bollywood production. Yes, that <laughs> which was, great. was great. That was a great scene. The whole sequence was great. But did you notice? Okay, so at the beginning, right? They where where they say they're at Mesopotamia? Is that what the something like that? Or Wh- where which part? Where the you very sp- beginning. Oh, the very beginning. That wasn't Mesopotamia. Um, no, I just think that was some random spot. If you're... It popped up on the screen where they're anyway. So, like, the dad's fishing and the, the son is scraping. Run, run away. Oh, they chumps me on the head. Yes. Now, if you were 7,000 years ago, I doubt that you would have been that kid that was just, like, scraping the fish. Like, man, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I mean, that, that was definitely a... 2020 kids scraping that fish. I <laughs> wish I had a game. Boy. Yeah. Advanced. Anyway, so when they come down and they save the day, then they all stand in formation. <laughs> you notice that? <laughs> yes. They did it more than once. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Every time they did something, they would have this formation and they would just stand there like, we're proud. <coughs> when someone was, when someone died, they stood in a circle formation, like right. a perfect circle. Like any time that they there was an event and they, they were all together, they stood in a perfectly formed formation. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> I, I, it, it was really annoying. And I, I it happened so many times. I had to I had to write it down. I was like, formation, formation. I was like, what am I seeing? Like, why? What am I seeing here? And yeah. Now again, it's it's nitpicky, but it, it's definitely there. And as soon as you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. If you haven't watched this movie, you'll notice it. Now that I've said it, yeah. it's I want to see the triangle one where they all stand in a perfect triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like Ajax is up front, and they're like, you know, they they tended to fight in pairs. So there'd right. be two here, then two here, then two here, then two here, in a perfect triangle formation. Yeah. So I mean. Bottom line, uh, the other, the last thing that really affected me was the implications that some of the plot had. Okay, we're going to, we're going to make sure that humanity uh, advances along a certain line, and uh, Fastos is going to create inventions to help them along. Well, that means that humans didn't create the inventions. That takes away all, all of the original intelligence and agency <laughs> of 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 humans. Did you notice when he created the plow that, like the next scene, everybody had a plow? 
How did that happen? <clears throat> well, not just that. Okay, they, he created the plow. It's it's a stick. I I I did you really need to do the plow? We couldn't figure out how to make a stick have a triangle in it to, to do a okay. Sure. Sure. Uh no. No, that one that was a little that was a little insulting. Um in changing the nature of what the Eternals and the Deviants are. That was my biggest problem in the change from the comic books. The Eternals were an experiment in and of themselves. They and so was humanity and so were the deviants. So they changed what their purpose was to be, which was mildly annoying. And they changed the deviants from being an intelligent species to being beasts. That only one eventually got intelligent when it was able to drink of the divine light from the other eternals. And it was just kind of sad. And we don't know what happened to that deviant. Yeah, we do. He got sliced into pieces. But he had kids. No. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just guessing. <laughs> so something's going to happen. There's a little sure. bit more deviants. I don't know. Whatever. There, there are some fun deviant characters that, at this rate, I don't know if I want them to include because it just looks like they're going to royally mess them up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, whatever. Um. So that all boils down to there were some elements that were really solid and some elements that made no sense and that mushes together to me for 15 out of 20. Mm, I chose 14. Yeah. Um, right. So this is the point at which we dedicate some bonus points if we wish to. And I have a single bonus point that I want to apply to the film. And is literally for what we were talking about. The the addition of the Pink Floyd song was such a smart move. Uh, just the 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 type of baggage that that song carries and the the feeling that it conveys was spot on exactly what they needed. And that song isn't put in movies nearly often enough. And I was just really happy to see that. Yeah, that was an excellent sequence. The Bollywood sequence had a great presentation and music, but I gave a, a bonus point because um, I liked one of the post credit scenes a bit more than you liked. So we'll we both like the post credit scenes. I liked oh, one yeah. more than you. I, I don't know. Well, we both liked them, I guess. Yeah, we both liked them. Um, I really like what we saw with the Ebony Blade, which was cool because we're going to get, you know, a new fun character, but then they, the actual blade character you know off screen we oh, yeah. don't get to see him we just hear the voice so we know like we all know that blade's gonna be here we know it but that just confirms it that just tells us like oh my gosh yes let's do this and i love the actor that they've got for him. he he did so good as Cottonmouth and um and uh, luke cage and oh he's just good he's generally always good and if you're going to pick a new blade, that's that's a good choice. It may be a couple of years, but we know that he's there now. He exists, and he's going to come and kick some butt. So that brings us to a final score. Mr. Richard has 75 points, and I have 76 points. <laughs> 
That's all I got. Yeah, that puts us in the range of a solid C. I mean, I think that's fair. It's a very watchable film. It ranks in my lower group on the MCU. Um, but even lower group on the MCU, pretty good. My mm-hmm. least favorite MCU film is better than a lot of other films. Yeah, and if you look at the... I mean, Rotten Tomatoes is such a hard thing to say that's a good ranking system or not because it's yeah. like you liked it or not, right? That, that's how it is. And 60% of the people said good. Right. And that means that well, that movie is bad. Right? Lacks some nuance. Yeah. So you can't always go by that. But in terms of a lot of the scoring system that, once again, is just very subjective, like ours, hmm. uh, it's generally regarded as one of the lowest rated films in the Marvel Universe so far. Yeah. But, I mean, there are way worse movies than this. Oh, so. yeah, easily. I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, the Nun. <laughs> I know I I ranked that one fairly low in our list. If you ever really want to see what films that we hate, don't forget, we have a movie scorecard. It's everything we've ever done a review on. Some of it we both have uh, ratings for. Some of them only one of us watched. But you will see things like uh, like Wilson or Aladdin for me that don't even get above fifty percent. Uh, so there are there are films that we we have assigned uh, some scores. I I know it feels like it's like a, it's another film in like the seventies, but that's what most films are. It's not a bad score if you go to school and you're struggling to do your math class. And you're constantly getting 50s, but you get a 75 on a great, like, that's a great score for you. Right. If you're used to not getting good scores on things and you get a 75, like, that's a respectable score. Right. And I think that's a good place to leave it. Now, uh, next week, there there will be an episode that is uh, just Mr. Richard. He's We're going to reveal what that uh, s- specific uh item is going to be here on Monday, but uh, we will come back. Hopefully, so long as everything works the way that we want, he will have had a chance to see the uh, movie that uh, is storming the box office, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. So long as that works, we'll do the review of that on the following week. Hope so. But until next time, keep watching TV, enjoying that pop culture, and we will catch you on the flip side.